Hey guys, it's Pastors Aaron and Terry Bagwell, and we wanted to say thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with a friend to keep others around you encouraged throughout the week. We hope you have a blessed day and enjoy the podcast. God bless you. The Holy Spirit, introducing the Holy Spirit. Can you put that graphic up for me? We've been in this series, Introducing the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you may be long-standing Christians, and praise God for that. But the reason we titled it Introducing the Holy Spirit is because uh, twofold. There's, there are many people in a part of this ministry and those who watch online who are, are new Christians. They don't know much about the Holy Spirit yet. And for those of us that might be more seasoned, if you will, faith people, it's never a bad thing to talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, in fact, many of my faith heroes just lived on teaching the Holy Spirit their entire ministry. And in fact, those are the ministries that were marked with signs and wonders and miracles. Because when you teach on the Holy Spirit, you get the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You get the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing that you really don't get any other way. But when you talk to the Holy Spirit, understand who is the Holy Spirit, not a what, not a it. Who is he that the Holy Spirit is God's presence on this earth? That it's a part of the Trinity that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, three in one. The Trinity we've talked about, we've talked about how Jesus left and he says, it's good that I'm going. Otherwise, the Comforter would not come. The Holy Spirit would not come in the way that you need him. It's a powerful thing. So I want to talk about, as we're talking about connecting deeper with Jesus, let me ask a simple question. How many in this room would like to say, I want to, I, I want to grow deeper in my relationship with Jesus? Amen. I know I do. You know, even, I, I mean, I've been a Christian really that I can remember since seven. That's when I remember making a decision. I got baptized at seven. I made a decision. I wanted to get water baptized. That's when I remember. I grew up in church. And then when I was a teenager, I think it was around 13 years old, I made another decision to really serve him, which was a, which was a kind of just a deepening of my commitment, if you will. It's one thing to say I'm a Christian. It's another thing to say, God, I want to serve you. Now, ideally, they go hand in hand, but many times they're two conscious decisions that you not only want Jesus in your heart, but you want to serve him and do whatever he has and fulfill the calling on your life. And so as these processes begin to unfold in my life, every time I would say, Lord, I want to know you more, I would begin to know more. I'd begin to experience him. I'll never forget being 14 years old. Anybody remember 14? Wendell, what about you, brother? That was a while ago, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but when you turn the dial back, right, and you think back to these monumental moments for those who have been saved for a while, this was a moment in my life. I was 14. It was a Friday night. My friends were going to hang out. They invited me to hang out. But there was this longing in my heart. I want to know God more. And so I, I don't think I told them that. This was more of a private thing between me and God. And I had a little keyboard. My first keyboard was a Casio. Come on, nothing against Casios. They're just inexpensive, and they worked well. And I began to learn my first worship songs. And so I remember I just began to pluck out whatever worship song I knew. I didn't know a lot. I knew like three. 
So I played them over and over and I just began to sing to Jesus. And then I began for the first time singing a song to the Lord. I said, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. And I just began to sing, I want to know you more. And then I began to sing those same three songs over and over and over. And my parents, I remember they were out for the night. So really, I kind of had the house to myself, and I just had that freedom, you know. Many times, and this is a side note, you have to create a place of isolation to be free. This is why a lot of times in church, you're not really worshiping fully. Because you are inevitably, until you kind of grow to a point where you just don't care. You're concerned about what people might think or look. Normally, I'd raise my hands, but, you know. I'm going to give God one of these. The cool guy clap. Hey, Jesus, you know. Versus like, Lord, I'm all in. I'm yours. Hallelujah. You know, you don't want to be that person in the back sometimes, you know. Like, what is wrong with that person today, you know. But these thoughts really are fleshly. Because in the end, if you feel that bubbling up in your spirit and you just got to let it out, can I just tell you in here it's a safe place? Let it out. Hallelujah. Anybody got a hallelujah in your spirit? Oh, that was good. You know, there's power in that. There's a freedom in that. Because when we go through life and get beat down and get wore out and get exhausted and get discouraged and these things come, the word teaches us as you read the word that it's going to happen. But the Bible says count it all joy. That doesn't make any sense. But in the spirit, we understand this, and we've taught on this many times here. It's because we are giving control to God through the process. And when you give control to God through the process, it doesn't mean you're not going to experience pain, but it does mean that the healer is with you. It does mean that the victorious one is leading the way. It does mean that he's not going to leave you in the valley of the shadow of death to die, but he is bringing you out. In fact, he'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Come on, how many know we serve a good God? Amen. So there I was, though, and I was in isolation, and I was in my room, and I began to sing. And all of a sudden, I just began to, man, I began to, like, feel his glory come on me. And there was no show, right? Sometimes we can feel that way around people or in church. They're like, well, I, I don't want to put a show on. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. What are people going to think, right? It's wonderful when you're by yourself. There's no one but you and God. And, man, I felt his presence. Oh, and it was one of the first times privately I ever felt his glory. It was incredible. And I tell you what, I wanted more. I said, oh, my gosh, God. I asked for more of you, and I got it. I, I felt your power. Woo! I mean, I started to weep. I felt things lift off my shoulders, even at a young age. You know, come on. Young people deal with stuff, too. Amen. And if you can learn this at a young age, you will begin to walk in victory at 13, 14, 15 on into your adult life. Don't discount what you're going through because God cares about every phase of life that you are walking in. I begin to learn this about the Holy Spirit, and I've used this analogy before, and perhaps you've heard it, but I believe it. I, I like to say the Holy Spirit's the silent gentleman. You know, a lot of times I travel, and... When I have to, I've uh, had a c- private car. You know, maybe a church has done one for me. and Not an Uber. Ubers are fine. I, I've used Uber all the time. But sometimes I might be in a place and they hire me a car. It's a little bit nicer. A little, you know, a guy wears a suit. You know, he's like, 
hello, sir, you know, maybe not English, but... <laughs> you know, they open your door. It's kind of an elevated experience, you know. It's still just a car ride, but... But I've learned in those environments, if I, if I sit in the back and kind of get on my phone, the driver has his hat on, and he's very professional, right? It's like a gentleman. He opens the door. He's very kind. And, just, and if I do not engage with that driver, the driver will not talk to me. Now, it's not that the driver's mean. In fact, the drivers are typically very nice. But out of respect of the role, out of respect for me, maybe he sees me on my phone, sees me working and sees me busy. He's not trying to interrupt anything I'm doing because he recognizes that, that he has a role and I have a role and all this. But the moment that I engage that person, they'll, they'll talk back. It's not like a New York cab. That can be scary. But no, in this type of environment, if you can picture with me, and I remember one of these rides, I just said, hey, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well, sir. Thank you so much for asking. Where are you from here? Oh, I am actually. I live blah, blah, blah for 30 years. And, you know, and the second I started engaging him, this person started sharing all sorts of things about his life and begin to open up. And all of a sudden, man, oh, I found this one guy. Oh, well, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Oh, man, what church do you go to? And we had this whole deep conversation. It was amazing. And... And I walked away and recognized if I wanted to engage that person, I wouldn't have learned anything about that person. I wouldn't have had any uh, knowledge of that. And it was an edifying conversation. It was a good conversation as he took me to the airport. And it reminded me in a simple way how the Holy Spirit is. That he's sitting right there, always waiting to engage with you. But he's a silent gentleman. That he is not going to force himself on you if you don't want him to talk to you. Does this make sense? He doesn't impose his will on you. We have free will. If we refuse to engage with him, he'll be silent. And sometimes I've heard it in my years of ministry. This is my 25th year of full-time ministry. Can you believe it? I told you I started at 15. I was young. But I've never wavered or waned. I've stayed in full-time ministry my whole life. It's all I know. And as I've gone down my path in my life, in my calling, one thing that I've seen is a lot of different conversations I've had with Christians. Oh, the whole, God doesn't talk to me. I don't feel the Holy Spirit like I used to. This, that, and the other. And I said, well, let me ask you, and I'll ask people questions. What are you doing to engage with the Holy Spirit? I just, uh, I just feel, I don't even know where to start now. I don't know where to start, so I don't even try. I'm like, well, that's the problem. Because the moment we stop trying, it's, it's we're treating the Holy Spirit maybe like a fleshly relationship. In fact, if you've had a good fleshly relationship with somebody, maybe you've had a moment where you haven't talked to them in a few years, and then you feel awkward calling them, even though they're on your heart. I found in most of the time, whenever I felt that if I call that person, that they're excited to hear from me, and we can almost pick up where we left off many times. But what happens in our mind when distance begins to take place, this happens in the natural with relationships, but it can also happen in the spirit. That distance begins to take place and you don't feel like you can get back what you had. The Holy Spirit is not like that, though. He is always waiting. He's always there. Just like that simple uh, analogy of the driver. He's there. He's ready to talk to us. He's ready to connect with us. We just have to draw near to him. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. And we are responsible for taking the first step. Now imagine this. Take all, no, I say this genuinely. Take all political affiliation out of this analogy. 
But if you had an invitation from the president of the United States, it's an honor. I don't care who's in office and if you love him or hate him or her, I guess. But if the invitation would come, that's they did their job. They invited you. If you want to go meet the president, it's up to you to book your airplane tickets, pick out your clothes, make sure you get there on time. Don't show up late. Be like, I had a meeting with the president. When? Yesterday. I, I woke up late. I missed it, you know? No, if the president invites you, it's an honor, but you have to take all the steps to go meet with him. Now, a much greater invitation has been laid at our feet today. Do you know what it is? It's the invitation to draw near to God. It's the invitation to come into God's presence. It's the invitation to be in the presence of Almighty Father, the King of Kings, greater than any man or woman on earth in history. The Holy Spirit has laid out the invitation. But just in the natural, we have to take the first steps. I always say you get out of something what you put into it, and worship is no different. That if we simply come to church but do not engage in worship, you're not going to get much out of it. I've been in a lot of churches that don't push the church to engage in worship, and those environments can be very cold sometimes. And not that there's anything bad with the people, but what you'll notice is that if there is not an invitational pull on the crowd, if you're not saying, come with us, come with me, let's worship God together, that there's no engagement taking place. And therefore, the environment, even though we're all gathered in Jesus' name in a, in a building called a church, you may not feel, quote, an ounce of his presence. But yet when there's engagement, you can be like me at 14, playing a Casio keyboard in your bedroom. Or you can be in a church service. Wherever you engage the invitation, the Lord will show up. Now, how quickly will he show up? That might vary. But I've heard it said, have patience and wait upon the Lord. And I've also heard it said, it's not going to take seven hours. And I do believe that. That any time I have been determined to fellowship with God, engage with him, feel his presence, connect on a deeper level with the Holy Spirit. It, it, when I go in with that mentality and say, God, I'm giving you time today. Lord, I just need to be with you. Lord, and I go in a private isolate and just start calling on the name of the Lord and worshiping him or singing to him or whatever. However you connect with God, reading his word, praying. It really doesn't take a long time. The key is blocking the moment, creating the opportunity, responding to the invitation. He will not impose his will on you, but oh, believe me, he draws near to those who draw near to him. Are you in the room today? Come on, let me know you're here. Now, John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15, Jesus said these words. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When, everybody say when. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Hallelujah. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Woo! How many would like to know about your future in this room? I mean, I'm waving my hand, believe me. He will tell you about the future. <laughs> That's good news. How many times do we feel such a question? I'm just pausing here, by the way. But you feel such a question mark about tomorrow and what's to come. And you look at circumstances 
and you feel like that's going to dictate some horrific output, mm -mm. go to the Lord. Lord, show me the future. Show me how this is going to end. Show me that we're not just going to be captives in Egypt and die here. And that's what God showed Moses. Mm -mm. There's a deliverance. Now, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to go through some struggles. You're going to have to walk through a Red Sea. You're going to be in a wilderness. You're going to have to strike a rock and get water. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That there is a path of miracles prepared for you through your struggles. But there is a future for you that is not the bondage that you're seeing. He will tell you about the future. Verse 14. And he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Now, how awesome is that? He will bring Jesus glory by telling you about your future. Do you know God wants you to know about your calling? God wants you to know about your destiny. He wants you to know who you are called to be in him. He wants you to understand this. He wants you to have confidence in it. He doesn't want you walking around uh, like some, you know, shy little puppy dog whimpering. God, please show me the way. No. God has called you to be a lion. He has called you to roar in the face of the enemy and destroy the gates of hell and press forward towards everything that he's put in front of your face. But like any great general, any great leader in history, they could not push forward with that kind of confidence if they didn't know what the goal was, what the destiny was, what the end result should look like. But God is so good, he's not going to leave you hanging. He says, if you call to me, if you draw near to me, I'm going to have the spirit of truth reveal to you what your future is. And by doing this, I get glory out of it. Everybody say hallelujah. Verse 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So much more. You know, Jesus was telling the disciples this. And think about this. The disciples spent every moment they could with Jesus in the flesh for three years. But he was expressing to them that there was a deeper level that could not come from the physical relationship they had with Jesus. Now, think about that. Jesus himself could be physically present in the room if we wound the tape back 2,000 years ago. And he would be looking at you today saying, I have to leave you physically so that you can get a deeper understanding of who God Almighty is. But you're thinking, but you're Jesus. What? But I can touch you. You're real. But this is what we're getting into today. We want to connect deeper with the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? He said, I have to go. I have to leave. First of all, it was limited. Jesus physically on the earth could only be in a very small place in any given moment in time. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. It's a beautiful thing. I can go anywhere on the earth where there's a spirit-filled move of God, and instantly it's the same. It's amazing. I've been over 50 nations on every continent. Well, minus Antarctica. Never preached to the penguins yet, but maybe one day. But it's incredible. I could show up somewhere, and I don't know anybody there, but I know his presence. And I can walk onto a platform with complete strangers in a completely different culture, and they look different, they smell different, they act different, they sing different, they dance different. But the spirit is the same. And we worship God together because we are all God's creation. It's an incredible thing. That would never happen if Jesus didn't leave the earth. 
We'd be dependent upon a physical person following him around, hoping to get some splash off. And what he was trying to say is, I am giving you the example right now of how you can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit so that when I leave you, I'm not the only one doing this, that you could also do it, that your disciples can do it, that your children, that your grandchildren can walk in it. You shall do these signs and even greater ones. If you have faith to believe it, you could look at that mountain and say, be cast into the sea and it shall be. You can uproot the mulberry tree. Are you in the room today? That Christ was trying to reveal to us something. I'm not operating in my uh, holy deity power right now. I'm operating only through the power of the Holy Spirit as your example. And when I leave, guess what? I have to leave so that that can be transferred onto the earth. That can be transferred into you and you and you and you. And every person who says, I want your spirit. Let my body be the temple of your Holy Spirit. God, work in me like you did in Christ. Hallelujah. Use me like you did Christ. Allow me to cast out spirits of, uh, of an unclean nature. Allow me to heal the sick. Allow me to take authority over the works of hell. Father, it's not me, but it is your will being done in me. Hallelujah. I surrender my flesh. I surrender this filthy flesh God Lord I can't stand on my own self-righteousness but Lord through you through your grace Lord you lift me up even though I'm broken and I'm weak and I'm unpure and all these types of things and because of this father through complete humility God you say that's a vessel I can move through and he moves through you hallelujah Thomas was called doubting Thomas because he couldn't believe it unless he touched Jesus. If we had the faith of Thomas, we wouldn't have much faith. Thomas was like, I don't believe it's him till I, till I can touch him. And Jesus said, Thomas, in John 20, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Can we all say amen? All right, I want to quickly give you three levels of relationship first is the physical level when we look when jesus made this statement to thomas he was bringing out the levels of intimacy you can have with god okay there are three levels and they're physical the soul and the spiritual we're going to dive into all three the physical is the lowest and can be the most superficial level many romantic relationships begin here we can understand this uh, thoughts like she looks good or he looks good, so maybe we should date, you know? That's kind of like the surface level physical attraction we might talk about. But if no deeper level is achieved in that relationship, a couple would get married and their marriage would not have much chance of success. It's not going to last very long because the connection is very surface. There were people that were physically attached to Jesus only. They just saw him. They heard about him. They watched him do miracles in the natural, and they thought, man, that guy is cool. I want to be around that guy. That guy is awesome. You can find people with a physical attraction on them, not just uh, romantically, but just just uh, they got something on them. They're like, man, that person just has a, a draw to them. You know, they enter a room, and it just seems like people draw to them. You know, there's a physical kind of connection that can be made but it's the lowest level of intimacy when we're talking about relationships the next one is the soul that the soul or personality level is a deeper connection so if we use the relationship analogy um, if this is developed first the connection is deeper and longer lasting uh, back in the day you'd have traditional dating process they call it courting and the whole idea of courting was we're not like together like boyfriend, girlfriend are going to get married or anything like that. We're just getting to know each other and see if we like each other. 
And so they, they kind of ideally had these lines drawn and all these things so they're not uh, physically touching or those types of things on an intimate level in any way. They're just getting to know each other on the soulish level to say, do we like the same things, do we not? You know, if you look at it in a friendship level, there's a lot of friendships built off common interests. Maybe working friendships are this way, right? Anybody have like those friends from work? But then if you leave the job, you're like, where's so-and-so? Man, I haven't talked to them in a year, you know? No? Y'all have deep, deep, meaningful relationships with every coworker. God bless you. But we can see this, that sometimes there are friendships that are just kind of like surface level, right? Or, or there's some commonality, like, hey, we both like video games. Cool, we're friends. It's not very deep, though, you know? If you lose the commonality, or we both like football, and the football season ends, you got nothing to talk about now. Man, I can't wait for football to start again. I'll call you in a few months, you know. <laughs> so as we look at that, now let's talk about the spiritual level. Now, 1 Corinthians 2.11 says that no one, everybody say no one. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one, everybody say no one. This is for you and I. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Your fleshly mind is incapable of knowing God's thoughts without the spirit. Now, when we talk about a, a sinner needing to be saved, those trapped in darkness, the veil is over their eyes. There's a lot of analogies in the word to describe this. They do not know the mind of God yet because they have not surrendered that or heard the gospel uh, and, and received it. So you cannot know God's thoughts without receiving his spirit. So this is why when you talk about successful people, there's a lot of people write books. I like reading. Maybe you're a reader. I like to learn. I like to grow. I like to stretch. So I read uh, different um, Christian books, but I also read some business books and things. And some of these business people are brilliant, like natural business people. But man, sometimes they get into their spiritual habits and I'm like, oh, man. No, dude, you're missing that big time, you know, and, and the th stuff that they write about because they they don't know God. So they just kind of make it up as they go like, well, this felt good. So try this, you know, you know, if you give give yourself three mm's in the morning, you know, it'll be good. Some people literally teach different. Some people, secular people that say, get in front of the mirror and say, you're good enough. You're smart enough. And people like you, you know, like a hundred times you're good enough. You're smart enough, you know. There's other people literally that do this, and they do this. <laughs> See, I've seen this taught, and they're like, "You got to cleanse the energy." You know, they talk a lot about energy, energy. A lot of talk about energy these days. You know, some people get into the crystals and they're like, you know, they're like crystals. Some are burning sage. You know, cleansing the aura of a room. There's a lot of worldly things, and in fact, just so you know, none of it's new. In the Old Testament, they had sages and mystics and they did crystals and burnt incenses okay so all right you're all with me the point is this if you don't know god you, you're just guessing like yeah i feel better when i i mean maybe it's getting some blood flowing and you just feel good you know i don't know there's nothing spiritual about it but if you want to make it spiritual i mean we can just if we want to make stuff up we can make it up as we go 
But this is why Corinthians 2.11 is so simple but powerful, because no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. If you do not have God's Holy Spirit with you, in you, living and guiding your life, you cannot know God's thoughts. This is what Romans teaches, that they're blinded by their sin. They're bound in oppression. They don't know the freedom that's available to them. So when we talk about a spiritual relationship. Let's talk about this, and then we'll pray and close today. But the level is established through doing spiritual things together. So if you want to develop a spiritual relationship with a person, you need to do spiritual things with that person. For example, my wife and I, I not only have a physical, of course, connection, attraction. I have a soulish connection, attraction with my wife. Thank God. There's things we enjoy to do together and all those things. But if a lot of marriages might stop there if they don't have Jesus in the midst of it. Some with Jesus, they're separate, but they haven't learned how to unify their faith into their home. This is so important. So how do you create spiritual connection inside of your home? This also exists with your children and grandchildren. Terry and I pray together. Do you know how powerful that is and how important that is? That if you're married, you grab hands with your spouse and pray together for whatever, it is, anything. Sometimes you might, we're going to pray together for 20 minutes, just you and I. Sometimes Terry and I hold hands intimately. We'll hold hands like boyfriend and girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? Not this way, this way. That was always the joke in high school. Anyway, like they're holding hands, they're together. My jokes are failing today. Okay, <laughs> but we'll hold hands in an intimate way, but we will pray. Why is that okay? Because we are unified in marriage, but we want our spirits unified. I don't want to be on one plane and she on another plane. I don't want to feel like God's revealing something to my life, and she's like, God's not revealing that to me. He's He's revealing something over here. So we unify our prayers and say, Holy Spirit, speak to us as a unit. We are together, bound in marriage. And we pray for our children in this way. And we have prayer times with our children also. All the time, daily, we pray with our children, whether it be for food or at night at bed or just in between when we have challenges and issues. We gather together and say, let's pray about it. It develops spiritual intimacy. Now let's talk about friendships that the deeper friendships, especially like Christian friendships, can be forged in a much deeper way, a spiritual relationship through prayer and through moments. Jonathan and I were talking about the Albania missions trip the other week, and he brought up a great point. He says, there's something about going on a missions trip that I love. And so we begin talking about it. I said, what is it? He says, it's like the people that I'm with, like I know them and we're friends. But when we went on the missions trip together, there was like a deeper bond that was created. And I, and I was like, man, tell me more about your thoughts on this. And he said that um, he felt because it was like a missions trip and not just a vacation or hangout time. He's like, we were all there on purpose together and we all fought the same battles together. And there was something like forged in the fire. And what I would like to summarize what I was thinking Jonathan was saying, and maybe you felt this in the same way, is that a spiritual intimacy was developed between the friendships it was a deeper level than just seeing each other at church once a week which is great or going to lunch or dinner those are all good things many times soulish levels but when you have a spiritual relationship with a person you can pray with that person you can talk about god with that person they will lift you up god might wake you up and you'll intercede for that person in the middle of the night see that's a deeper relationship everybody still with me Okay, one last thing here. 
that when you are creating relationships in the spirit, deeper connections can happen quicker. Because the spirit knows no boundaries. Just like I mentioned earlier, when I can preach in another nation, I might instantly connect with another pastor I've never met in my life. And friendship can happen because of the spirit. I remember the very first time I went to the Czech Republic. And I didn't know these people. They didn't know me. And I showed up and we were kind of night and day. The differences in the way we were. And I remember I sat down with the pastor. And it was just kind of feeling awkward, you know. I'm like, all right, I'm here to preach. Are you sure you want me here? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I'll never forget, he said in his accent, let's pray. I said, okay. Now, a lot of times when I pray with people, you know, they just pray nice and quiet. Man, this brother just started speaking in tongues. And he's, whoa, I mean, he just starts praying. Well, for me, that was, that was instant connection because I understand that. Prayer in the spirit. And what were we doing? We don't know what we were praying, but what we were doing, we were edifying ourselves and welcoming in the presence of God. And I tell you, we prayed for like 10 minutes like that. And when we came out of that prayer, we like, come here, just give me that like good brother, you know, like we were like this. It's like, let's go. And man, we had incredible services and we connected with all these other leaders and pastors. And it was like all these bonds were broken instantly all in the spirit. So God can do deeper connections quicker because of the spirit. So if we can only know God in a real intimate way through the spirit, as we read, we have to remember where is the access point? It's the last scripture today. And Nikita, if you'd be so kind to play. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 16 says this. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Hallelujah. Once the veil is removed, I love that in verse 18. We can see where we couldn't before and now reflect. It's two-sided. You are seeing it, but now you're reflecting it on others. That means people see it on you. They may not even know what they're seeing, but they're seeing a change. They're seeing a difference on you. They're seeing a different way you maybe walk and talk, just the way you smile. I remember meeting someone who didn't have Christ, and then they found Christ, and all of a sudden they smiled all the time. And I said, man, you're such a different person. Like, I'm just so happy. It's awesome. Why? The joy of the Lord had overtaken them. The depression that that person was battling left them. And they just were smiling, right? It, what, what was it? They were reflecting the glory of God that had come on to them. And so when we take the veil off, we can begin to see the Spirit, see that He's moving. We can draw near to God. He begins to draw near to us. But then when you get into His presence, you begin to reflect that onto others. It's, it's a joy uncontainable. It's a joy that you cannot create through natural, tangible things. Right now, if you go on the internet and, and they're all over the place, you got all these people trying to tell you what they think will make you happy. How many of you want to live? What do they always say? A life of freedom. And, you know, and what they always mean by that is you don't have to work a nine to five. You know, that's just the same story over and over and over again. How many want freedom like I have? I made $5 billion yesterday, you know, and it's just like, 
oh, I guess I want that. Well, you know, pay $9.99 and buy my course and you'll be a millionaire like me tomorrow. Never happens, by the way. But a lot of times you'll see these in the flesh that they're, give, they're showing their car off, they're showing their jet off, showing their big mansion off, whatever it is, trying to appeal to your flesh. Oh, this is what you need. This is what you want. This is what you need. You know, it's interesting. I rarely ever see an ad where like a husband's with the wife and the kids and they're all like, we're just happy. We love each other. You want this? You know, like they don't talk about that. You know why? They don't know how to get that because the flesh cannot produce those types of things for longevity. But the spirit of God can. He heals. He restores. He reconciles. He forgives. Oh, hallelujah. Man, we got to walk in forgiveness, don't we? So today, if you would join with me just for a moment of prayer. And again, we're teaching. I'm teaching a lot right now. I pray you're getting something. We want to connect deeper with Jesus. So we, we, we don't want to connect just the physical or the soulish part. Lord, we want to connect in the spirit. So let's pray. Father, I pray over every person in this room, every person watching online, that, Lord, we would begin to connect in a deeper knowledge and understanding of who your Holy Spirit is. Lord, in a relationship with you, Holy Spirit, we want to know you more, Holy Spirit. We pray you, you, you just invade our lives. Just show up. We invite you. We want to draw near to you, as the word says, and you'll draw near to us. So like the gentleman you are, you stand at the door and knock, Jesus. That's what you said in Revelation. So, Lord, we open the door to our heart and we say, come in, take control, remove the veil. We want to be in your presence. We want to be in your knowledge. We want to know more about you, Father. We want to be changed to look like you, God. Lord, I thank you because one day this life on this earth will end for every single one of us. And Lord, we will be with you in eternity if we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so, Father, reveal to us even now as your sons and daughters how to walk it and live it so we can have authority over the things of hell, so we can have victory over every every temptation that comes our way so that when the traps of sin come, when the snares of sin and temptation come and they come for all of us, that Lord, we will see them and overcome them by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. And Father, we thank you. We thank you that Lord, we cannot do this on our own, but through Christ, we are more than conquerors. We can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. So, Holy Spirit, we want to know you more. Not just book knowledge, not just your Lagos word, but, Lord, we want your rhema. We want your living word living in us, moving in us, guiding us. I thank you for the increase of the gifts of the Spirit. Father, I thank you. We're going to teach on this soon, the gifts of the Spirit. And, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we begin to desire them. Lord, use them in our lives. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, we can have words of knowledge and prophecy, that we can walk in gifts of healing, Lord, that we can speak in tongues and interpretation, that, Lord, there are gifts that you have given this body of Christ to operate in, to bring knowledge to a lost and hurting world. But, Lord, it takes faith for them. And, Lord, your word says the Spirit gives them 
as he sees fit. So Holy Spirit, we want them. We want your gifts. We want your, your presence. We want all of you that we can, can possibly understand. Reveal yourself to us. We want to know you more. We want to know you in a deeper way. And I thank you because you're the healer. You're a provider. And most of all, you love us, God. You're our Savior. We thank you for this today. We give you praise for it. We give you praise for it. We give you praise. Come on, let's give him praise for it this morning. Hallelujah. We give you praise for it today. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in our lives. We welcome you into our family. We welcome you into our business. Lord, let us make decisions based off integrity and not greed. Let us make decisions not off of lust, but Lord, off of what your word says. Lord, let us live like you want us to live, and we shall reap the fruit that you've promised us. Father, we thank you for the fruits of your spirit. I declare this year be the year of prophetic fulfillment in this house. I declare it over every person watching, every person under the sound of my voice. This is the year of prophetic fulfillment in Jesus' name. So Holy Spirit, for this to happen, we need you. We can't do this without you. This is a miracle that must take place to see the prophetic fulfillment happen like never before. So Lord, we just say, have your way. Have your way. In fact, I invite you right now, maybe out of your mouth, you should tell God, have your way in my life. Have your way in my life. Lord, and last, I just feel it's in my spirit now through the Holy Spirit. I call out the giftings inside of this house like never before. I call out gifts of creativity now like never before. I call out songwriters. I call out authors. I call out those who have creative artistic abilities. I call out those who have different gifts of these natures, whatever they are. Father, let them be used for your glory. Father, I call out administrative gifts now in Jesus' name. Lord, those who dot the I's and cross the T's. Father, those who have giftings of, of love and compassion, I call the, the gifts out now. Father, Lord, I thank you for the gifts of leadership in people. Let it come out now. Lord, let it come out, Lord, the, the, the boldness to lead, the boldness to, 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 to have followers and leading them towards Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Lord, let us be leaders. Lord, according to your word, I just call out these gifts. Let them not sit dormant. Let them not sit in a place where they're not being used for your kingdom. But Lord, I pray every gift be maximized in this house. I thank you for this church. And I declare this be a place where gifts are maximized in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, let us not sit because it's uncomfortable. But Lord, let us maximize the gifts for your sake, Father. For your kingdom, Father. Not for our uh, enjoyment solely, but Lord, for yours. And Lord, I thank you for this. So Lord, I just call them out. For those who are bold enough to even pray that, Father, I thank you for them now. Because you said ask and you will receive. So those who want this, Lord, I thank you. They're going to start praying it. They're going to start praying it beyond today, tomorrow, and the next day. Lord, let the gifts come out like never before. To build this ministry. To build your kingdom. Lord, to do the things that, Lord, only you can do. We call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands one more time. Glory to God. Did anybody get anything out of that message today? Praise God. God is so good. So good. I know I'm teaching a lot, but if you can grab the simplicity of, of the thread, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. 
it sets your life up daily for victory. Because not every day you're going to win, but you can have daily victory. Isn't that an awesome thought? Even in your losses, you're winning. That's a good thought because we all lose at times. But he's guiding your path. Amen. 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 Church, before we go, how many know it's good to give? Come on, we want to worship God with our giving this morning. I almost forgot. <laughs> but we always want to ask and, and offer the opportunity for you to worship with your giving. And we want to always say thank you for being faithful with that because the ministry uh, would not survive without it. But that's why it's biblical. That's why the Lord instituted it the way he did because it supplies the needs of the house. We've been blown away by what God's done, but yet the vision is so great. Oh my goodness, the vision is so big. And a lot of provision for this big vision. So we are working hard and tirelessly to fulfill that vision. You can participate, giving online, expecthopechurch.com. There's a giving button there. Also, if you'd like to give by check or cash, you can use the envelope. Uh, envelopes in the seats behind or in front of you. If you want to be real fancy, you can text any amount you'd like to give to this number, 84321. It'll walk you through a process. Father, I'm grateful to give. I'll never forget the first trip I ever made to Haiti. And I remember meeting with these pastors who had lost everything in this earthquake. I was speaking that night and I remember asking the head he was like a bishop he was over many pastors and he, he asked me now you're going to take an offering tonight I said oh my goodness no like we're literally preaching on rubble I mean we were preaching on the rubble of where this big church used to be it sat like a thousand people literally knocked over by an earthquake it was rubble he says Brother, with all due respect, don't rob these people of the blessing God wants to pour out. Don't rob them of the opportunity to worship. Don't rob them of this opportunity. So we took an offering. And I remember one of the pastors came up to me and wept. He says, I literally have nothing to give. And we prayed. We said, God, just bless this brother, you know, that he could give. He just, he had nothing, no money, no food. And I'll never forget, there was somebody who needed shoes. He took his shoes off. He said, I have shoes. And he gave his shoes to somebody. And he was so happy. He said, thank you, God, I had something to give. And he walked off barefoot. Man, that broke my heart. For the ungratefulness that I had at times that we can all have that rocked my world I've had many moments like that especially overseas I'm sure it's a huge part of why we do what we do overseas but when you see these moments you just say God I'm so grateful I have something to give thank you Jesus and you know you got to remember what Jesus said to the widow who gave two mites which was equivalent of you know a penny or something in today's currency it was like nothing Jesus said she gave more than everybody because she gave out a sacrifice. And I saw that brother give his shoes, and I just felt that same word over him. That brother gave out a sacrifice. 
How many times do we do that or miss the opportunity to do it? You know, sacrifice is a beautiful thing, though, because it's so biblical, and God just rains miracles around sacrificial offerings. He had, let's read the whole Testament. Every time there was a sacrificial offering, it was like God's miracles just came instantly. It's incredible. Never forget that. Never forget that. That miracles are always connected to your sacrifice. And sometimes, and don't, don't hear me one channel now, sacrifice is not always money. Many times it's not. Sacrifice is a lifestyle. Are we willing to sacrifice for our neighbor? Are we willing to sacrifice our time? Are we willing to sacrifice uh, helping somebody in need when we got something else we got to do? Whatever it might be. But giving definitely is a part of it, too. We don't want to also cut off a channel either. Well, giving is not a part of that. Oh, it is. It's all connected. But you know what? God's blessings are all connected, too. Isn't that awesome? So when we give, when we sacrifice, you just... Remember, draw near to God, he draws near to you. That's why we say we want to worship with our giving. That's what giving is when we give financially as well. It's a part of our worship. You are drawing near to God, believe it or not, biblically. And I tell you what, it's an amazing thing. So let's pray over it. What do you say? Father, we bless this offering today. I grabbed my iPad. That's what I got in me because I gave digitally today. Lord, if we have an envelope, we're going to hold on to it. Lord, these are just points of contact. But, Lord, we are grabbing on to our gifts today or a representation of that gift and saying, Lord, have your way with it. I thank you, Lord, that you honor the gift. You're not looking at the amounts. You're looking at the sacrifice, looking at the obedience. So, Father, I thank you for an obedient church. Lord, I thank you when we're all obedient, Father, there's surplus in our lives. There's surplus in the church. And there's blessing for all of us. So, Lord, I pray blessings on our families. I pray blessings on business. I pray blessing on, on financial deals, whatever it might be. Blessings on real estate transactions. Whatever we need a blessing, then, Father, I thank you for your blessing. Lord, thank you for the gifts being sown. And, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your holy, awesome spirit, Father. Lord, let your Holy Spirit be with us and made known to us as never before in Jesus' name. And as we give today, I thank you, Lord. It draws you close to us. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you're happy, come on, stand to your feet. If you can, if you're able. And I uh, want to bless you. If you have a gift, you can give in the black box over here. And as always, I'd love to say hello to you on your way out. God bless you. Thanks for being in church today. We'll see you next Sunday. Hey, thank you so much for watching today, and I pray the message was a blessing to your life. If you want to stay up to date with all things Expect Hope, subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on social media. You know, we can't do what we do without you. And if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry, please go to expecthopechurch.com. You know, it's impossible to meet all the needs without so many faithful supporters just like you. Thank you for your consideration. And if you're ever in the Denver area, we invite you to come join us for a service on Sunday morning. God bless you. Thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow to stay up to date in everything we're doing at Expect Hope. We hope this podcast encouraged you and that it will help you through any trials you may be going through. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed rest of your week.